hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Talking tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. The latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thanks to the good people at Netgear, where you are listening to episode 155 of Two Blokes Talking Tech. My name's Trevor Long from EFTM.com.au. And joining me each and every week, the other bloke talking tech, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. How you been? How you been going? Uh, mate, I've been going fine. Nowhere near as busy as you out at the Easter show, which we'll tell people about again shortly. But, uh, you know, heaps going on in the world of politics, but just as much happening in the world of technology, don't you think? Absolutely, yes. Uh, um, uh, it was very sad to hear about your good friend Barry O'Farrell, your Twitter buddy, Barry B-O-F. Boff, the boff. Yeah. Yep, sad day, mate. But you know what? Uh, it's a bottle of wine that cost him. I think there's, uh, yeah. you know, it could have been handled a little bit better, I guess. But uh, you know, he's a man of his word, a man of integrity. Decided that was enough to, uh, you know, if he can't live by his own high standards, and that was it. And the, a bottle of wine has been between you and I as well, because uh, you're a man of your word, and uh, I That's bought right. you. A, did I have to buy you a bottle of wine? I can't remember, but yeah, I lost a bet. Point, me, yeah, I, yeah, but straight to the missus, mate, because as you know, these. Yeah, these the, well, wine's no, just just a yeah. uh, quick. I remember the bet actually. The bet was mm. when uh, I think it was one year before this, the iPhone came out, and mm. Telstra initially released their plans. And I said, "This isn't good enough. They're going to double their data," and they did before the iPhone came out. Just a memo. And you were a man of your word, and I didn't send you a thank you note. But luckily, because that could have come back to haunt me, that thank you note. Memo to all tech <laughs> lobbyists: um, sparkling mineral water for Stephen and Coca Cola yes. for me. Uh, don't bother sending grains here. I've got Maui yeah. sitting on. On the, t- on the, on the, on the fridge. Happy. The yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. All right, let's kick it off with something very serious, but not overwhelmingly, um, con- I don't want to say concerning, because it is concerning, but there's a, there's a problem in the world called Heartbleed. Now, uh, Ben Grubb from, uh, from Fairfax has done an amazing job covering this story over the last week. Essentially, and I'll break it down into really simple terms, not using any of the, the, the proper terminology, the little lock that we all rely on on our browser that says, when I send information, it's being sent and received securely. Well, someone picked it, and uh, and they worked out that it was very easy to pick. And it, it could therefore mean that your data, your passwords, whatever the information is that's being transmitted, may have been able to be read during the, the transmission by someone like a hacker. Now, the great news here is that the person that found out how to pick the lock was a good guy. In fact, two good guys found it around the same time. And that has meant that those good guys told the rest of the good guys who all fixed their websites. So Google, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Hotmail, Yahoo, they all got to fix their websites. Now, there so was. Does this mean we don't have to change our passwords then? No, because there was a period where the information was known that there was a vulnerability and the, and the sites hadn't been fixed. So huh. 
It, you know, there's two it was problems. Like, it was it was a it was a test. It was like a, a good. A, it wasn't a hacker that did this. Correct. It was just some people going. Hang on a minute. And I mean, how do these people come up with it? I don't know. But yeah. they well, discovered the vulnerability, and that's all it gets, that matters. It gets its name. It's called Heartbleed because of the pulse. Apparently, your computer sends a pulse to the server. The server says, "Yep, I'm here. I'm secure. Let's talk." And someone someone has tricked the server into sending information after a malicious pulse was sent. Those servers should send that, voice uh, bites to each other, really, shouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so it's, it's yeah, but you know what? The, the worry here was like when when it was initially uh, detected, we were talking about it. the The worry was that it's not like that. There's a file or anything that was that was all completely network born. There was no yes. uh, residue. You know, I mean, you know how sometimes there's a file needs to be installed and unpacked. It's literally and, a hacker sniffing yeah. the network and reading what's happening. And that 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 means that if at any point in time your password was seen, it, it's a vulnerability for you. So the advice today, given that nearly every site has been patched, is firstly, if you're really worried, check. On the website, on the web, there's heaps of sites that will actually tell you whether or not a site is still vulnerable. But most importantly, change your password. So if you change your password today, you're in a good place. Change it again in a month just for extra security. And you should change your password every three to five months, I think. I I was told, I read that you shouldn't change your password until advised by the site. Now, there's the next problem. yeah, if they hadn't done the patch yet and you hmm. change your password, you're still going to be uh, exposed. Now, so, the majority of them have wait. done that, right? So the big guys have all done that. So it's safe to change your password and now like on all the big guys, sites. We're talking shopping websites like yeah. Facebook, all these these password-protected like you know, file exchanges like Dropbox and yeah. Hightail, all these companies like that. They're fixed, but, yeah. but we'll, we won't go into great detail on this. We'll end with this. But the key here is... Um, there's another scam going on, which is probably worse than Heartbleed, and that is the phishing scam. If you get an email from, let's say, Dropbox that says, uh, you know, we, we, we found this vulnerability, we fixed it, please click here to change your password. Don't. Don't click there. Yeah. Um, that's a scam. Uh, go to the dropbox.com website and change your password. Don't click links yeah. in emails. There, a company, we should, we should tell our listeners, no company will ever tell you, click here to change your password. They never will. They never will do that. You have to go to the site to do it. And if there is a company doing that, don't do business with them because that's stupid. Um, so so go to the website. If you do get an email, that's fine. Great advice. But go to the website directly yourself without yeah. clicking on any link. Change your password. Stay and safe. Um, pick you should a... also check your accounts just in case. Probably Absolutely. nothing can happen. Check your accounts. Make sure there's no suspicious activity. Yep. So keep an eye on them. And uh, yeah, and uh, just do whatever your site says. So if you, it's a good good rule of thumb. Change your password regularly, and don't have the same password for every single site. Have a, have different ones. Yep. There are a lot of password managers out there that can handle and create even mm. pretty sophisticated passwords on your behalf. So uh, that might be the way to go. Always good to do. If you want a, a really basic and, and simple overview of Heartbleed, you can find it at techguide.com.au. But uh, the Ben Grubb, who pretty much ran the story all week on uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, is a place to, a resource to, to read for detailed information if you're interested in the Heartbleed security vulnerability. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, the world's number one mobile phone manufacturer, that is Samsung, uh, released their new flagship device last week, the Galaxy S5. Now, we've known about it for a long time. We've uh, Some of us have even seen it before it was actually launched in stores. But it is finally here. Now, this is normally the sort of excitement around a smartphone launch is obvious whenever there's a new iPhone coming up. But this one, everyone knew the date 
They kind of did an Apple this time. They set a date. They said, right, this is the date it's going to come out. And I don't know if there were any lines out the front of the experience store in the city. I think there was some. They opened up pretty early. There were some mm. early, early starters. Telstra was so, doing a big, big event again as well, like yeah, they did yeah, for the so iPhone. Vodafone as well. So you know what? Look, it's nothing to sneeze at. We're talking about the world's number one mobile manufacturer releasing their new flagship device. Absolutely, it's not something that happens every week. And I have to say, I've reviewed the device, as have you, and I really like it. I think that the the uh, the features are really relevant features. Like I think the S4 was like bloated full of user interface sort of excess and all these gimmicky little features. I really like the way the improvements are being dealt out on the S5 are really, really nice features that, that you can use, like the fingerprint reader, the heartbeat sensor I quite like. The fact that it's waterproof, that's massive as well. Mm. I think it's a really nice upgrade to an already decent product. Still, my my only complaint is it still feels a little bit flimsy in the hand. I think the leather the leather pa- back panel is better than the cheap plasticky feel yep. of uh, of the previous model. Um, the fingerprint sensor, while good, is not great. Uh, trying to unlock it with one hand, as I noted in my review, unless mm. you drag your finger or thumb exactly straight down the home button. It's not going to work. I try to use my thumb sideways, which works all the time on my 5S, but does not work on the iPhone. I've actually got to put it in my other hand and swipe down straight down across the uh, home the home button there. I don't know if you're having the same. Yeah, look, I, I, the, the fingerprint scanner is good, but not great. There's no doubt about that. It's it's a proof of concept, frankly, in a live environment. It's it's just not a reasonable thing to be doing uh, is, is scanning your finger like that when you're trying to just unlock a phone. Um, the other thing, interestingly, is because you, you can use the, the fingerprint to do PayPal. I couldn't get that to work. Uh, <laughs> I, I logged into PayPal. I installed the app. I did all the things. I registered my fingerprint. I went to Peter's at Kensington, bought my wife a bloody toaster for $130 and, <laughs> and the asked for my password. And I thought, I'll, bet I'll put it in just in case. And then it just was done. And then I tried to just make smaller payments. It just never asks for the fingerprint. So I don't know whether I did something wrong, but my, my message to PayPal was, I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm not a complete idiot, but I'd like to think that I, I would, I've done what any normal other person would have done. And if it didn't work first go for me, what yeah. does that say about the experience? One of the blokes talking tech, what hope has the rest of the population got? Exactly. Yeah. The, uh, now, I, I uh, just sort of going through the device, I quite like the fact that it's, that it's running Android 4.4.2, which is uh, KitKat. Uh, and I really Yum. like it's a really understated, an understated uh, operating system. It, to me, it actually looks a little bit like it's got that flat design of iOS 7. Uh, a little. So it's changed a little bit. You look at all the icons. The icons are yeah, being but that's, out a bit. That's Samsung. Sam's, this is, I mean, if you look at the, um, the, the KitKat on the HTC One, mate, it's, it's not, the icons are very different. It's, uh, it's, this yeah. is, that's something that the, the manufacturer well, can customize. Well, the, the user interface, it, it, to me, They've done a great job. Especially when you job. sweep down from the top and you sort of go to that, that screen with all your uh, quick shortcuts to your settings. Yeah. You know how the, the, the color goes right into the menu bar. It looks very iOS 7 to me, but mm. uh, look, I, I think it's a, it's a decent – I love the battery life. Battery life has been vastly improved. I, I'm getting on normal battery usage 
easily a day and more than a day and a half use out of the battery and I'm, and I'm smashing it with calls and using it for social media and everything but isn't the ultra battery saving mode the power saving mode unbelievable i just flicked that on just to see what how much i could get out of it ultra power saving mode uh was sort of it, it it turns your screen mono to save power turns off wi-fi bluetooth and any other connectivity when you're in when you shut the phone put it into sleep and i think i was down to like 50 percent, 55 percent and I put it into power saving mode. It said your battery will last another six and a half days. With <laughs> <laughs> far half a battery life. So you know, let me be let me be the picky one. Um, there's a couple of things that are frustrating me in daily use, and that is the charging point is so annoying to have to un because it's waterproof, which is great. Yeah. Actually, opening that little slot, and then there's there's a HDMI, I guess that is, and the USB right next to each other. That this is a little stupid thing that Apple does so amazingly, the lightning connector is so easy to plug in in the dark yeah. when, when you're going to bed and you're charging it's, your phone. Yeah. This is fiddly as all heck, and that's really annoying because you have you know, to click that thing, thing back in. That's annoying me. I'm tired of being told that to check that my back cover's on securely because you think about it, there's not many waterproof devices like, you know, the Xperia Z1, mm. all these. Mm. They're sealed devices. Correct. So they've got little doors on them. This has got a removable back it's cover. It's a huge risk. And it's waterproof, right? So if, you, if one of those clips aren't in properly... You're gone. The phone's yeah. dead. Yeah, if it's, those it's clips aren't attached right. Water's going to get in. Your phone's dead. Oh, I, look, so you've got to really check that the back cover is put on securely before you even think about wetting it. Yeah, oh, I've whacked it in the in 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 water a couple of times um, and, and checked it thoroughly before I do. So I worry that the the accidental um, knock or you know if you drop it and it actually bounces, and I, I just worry about those things. The waterproof thing is great. The fingerprint is okay, but I don't think they're actually good enough to to be groundbreakingly amazing. I I'm not feeling the love for this any more or less than I did the HTC One in terms of usage in the phone, like the yep. the operating system. Um, I do prefer the HTC One somehow. I don't yep. know why. Probably the feel in the hand is, yeah, is the what build does it quality, to me. Well, you've got to say, and I touched on this earlier, the build quality, uh, remember I mentioned the previous models, the one of the complaints yeah. is the plasticky feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is better, and it's oh, sort no of, doubt. I think it's got more in common with the Note 3 than it has with the S4. Definitely. It's, it, it looks more like, you know, the ridged edging and yeah, all that. It's, sort of, yep. it's a bit squarer than the S3, S4 as well. So, uh, but no, you're right. The, the, the quality really, like anyone who I've shown the HTC One M8, they get it in their hand and they love it. Word is, wow, that's beautiful. And I haven't even turned it on yet. I uh, you know, yeah. we 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 haven't got on the list of things to talk about. Let's talk about it next week as a guarantee. But I'll tell you the one thing, the one reason I would buy a Samsung Galaxy S5. What's that? The Samsung Gear Two. Yes, uh, no, I'm gonna. I'm actually. I've got both of those as well. And yeah, mm. let's let's talk next week because I'm gonna probably have my review up early next week, late this week about the Gear Two and the Gear Fit. The gear, I, 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 the, I quite like them. Yeah, the Gear Two is a mind-blowingly brilliant smartwatch that is leaps ahead of what it was last year, yeah. uh, and an absolute winner. And it is a reason to buy the Samsung Galaxy S Five. So, but won't the Gear Two work with the S Four? Aren't they going to make? Oh, yeah, it- no. Sorry, yeah, but I, what I mean is over and above the HTC One, yeah, yeah, for example, true. if you're buying a new phone. So, yeah, it'll work with your with your other Galaxy. You know, but- I agree. I've been wearing both. I've been wearing both the Gear Fit and the Gear Two. I'm such a good. Can't pair them at the same both. time, though. I know you can only have one pair, but it doesn't stop me wearing both. 
making you look like an idiot should. Well, you know what? It's been uh, – there's a few people have noticed it. Oh, is, is that the gear fit? And I said, as a matter of fact, it is. I want to know what they say. It's been they, handy. At they walk away. It's been very handy. <laughs> walk away shaking. Right. You can read Stephen's review of the Samsung Galaxy S5 at techguide.com.au, and we'll talk about the smartwatch from Samsung next week on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Now, sometimes you get a release, uh, you see a product announcement, and you think, yep, yeah, good. Other times you think, oh, brilliant, smart. Pioneer last night announced that they would be the first company to offer CarPlay, Apple CarPlay integration in a aftermarket uh, audio system. So my little Mazda 2, uh, which is three years old, if I'm willing to buy a new Pioneer entertainment system and have that fitted into my Mazda, I'll be able to have Apple CarPlay in my car in just a couple of months. Brilliant. Fantastic news. Fantastic news. Well, we've spoken about CarPlay in the past, and we were under the impression that you needed to pony up for a brand new car to enjoy it. Yeah. I think we were discussing off-air uh, the possibilities that some brands may have retrofitting possible. I think mm. Mercedes-Benz was one of those yep. brands. But uh, no, this I, I remember uh, uh, Michael Broadhurst, our good friend from Pioneer, sent me this release last night, and I said, oh, mate, what a great story. The fact that now all these punters with existing cars that want to use CarPlay can now do so with a Pioneer multimedia system. I think this is going to really – Pioneer have always always been the leader in car audio anyway. This is going to put them over the top because yeah. there can be a lot of people looking to get this sort of functionality in their car just to make it – because I don't know about you, but a lot of people that I talk to, are, are their, their in-car solution is, is not always right. No, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fiddly. It's not quite right. Yep. This, I think, offers that pathway where it's going to be seamless, very easy to use, having it straight off your iPhone as if you're accessing your iPhone screen on the touchscreen of the device – of the Pioneer device, I think that's going to be a winner. So good on Pioneer. There's three CarPlay compatible head units coming. I've listed them on Tech Guide, but uh, you know I think this is and then and the fact that they're one of the first aftermarket brands. And you got to remember, as I mentioned, Pioneer are a big brand when it comes to in-car uh, in-car products. Their aftermarket has always been top top notch. This Absolutely. is going to seal that. Yeah, and look, I think that um, that the idea of putting this in any car just by and the thing, this is, I mean, this is going to sound egotistical on on kind of both of our parts. I speak, but you know, it's great playing with new stuff. You know, and you'll notice this when you're wearing the gear uh, to around. People love talking about it, looking at it. This is one of those releases, and when you know, you and I tweet and Facebook share our, our stories. I've had more people ask me about this than any other. You know kind of standard product announcement in a long time. People Absolutely. are pining for this, and this means Especially it's for your, everyone. Mate, the EFTM, you know, you do a lot of car stuff on your site there. This is, mate, this is like grand final, a grand this, final story for your site. This is big deal stuff, and people want this in their car because they want to, be, they want to do the right thing in their car for a start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and they want the features of their phone in the car. So, mate, this is big news. And, and they're saying winter here, so I call, uh, they say early winter. Or, yep. that's, that's May, June. Three months, yep. That's not far, man. Yep. And I'm looking right. forward to it, seeing if it can uh, – you're going to whack it in the Mazda 2, are you? The or? Mazda 2 is going to be like, pimp my ride, <laughs> okay? So, yeah, that'll be that'll be really cool. At, at least, I mean, at the very least, to, to, to drive any car that, that has it in it and experience it and then understand that you can put that in another car. 
great stuff. And, so will, um, that be a, will that be a Barry O'Farrell style donation? <laughs> 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 I won't. I won't be sending a thank just, you note. Yeah, just make sure you don't declare the price of this thing and just say it's on loan. Yeah, no, it's a like lot. You can't drink. <laughs> yeah. We love you, Michael. Uh, so yeah, standing by for that, and you can uh, check it out at uh, TechGuide.com.au and uh, EFTM.com.au. And if you've got a few moments to spare, check out the new Netgear website, netgear.com.au, life, your life, connected. And that's what it's all about. It's about networking your home, Wi-Fi routers, range extenders, Wi-Fi adapted power lines, switches. They've got everything when it comes to net to networking in your home. Now, simple technologies like Beamforming Plus, we've talked about this. This allows the network to follow your connected devices, even phones and tablets, and focus the Wi-Fi signal for optimum speed and range, then dual band. So keep you connected and virtually immune to interference from appliances by having a couple of different networks in your home. You can either just uh, move interference around or you can have some traffic like your video streaming on one network and your basic web traffic on another. And frankly, Netgear hits it out of the ballpark with the Netgear Genie, which makes installation easy and gives you functions like parental controls, guest access, and a really great dashboard at a glance of your network. So read about all those things and check out all the products at netgear.com.au. Now, Stephen, uh, you're enjoying your time out at the uh, Sydney Showgrounds right, uh, at uh, Homebush for the Royal Easter Show in the tech arena, my friend. Yes, I am, mate. Yes, it's been terrific. We've had an excellent response. Uh, we, the tech arena is a brand new concept for the Easter Show, and happy. Uh, I'm very proud to be hosting the Tech Arena Theatre, which uh, we have four shows a day, 10, 12, 2, and 4, four different presentations, all about tech and how uh, some, some interesting things you did know about tech, some tech tips and tricks and a few, few things like that. And uh, we've had a terrific response. Had a couple of two blokes talking tech listeners come up after me and say good day. Uh, Wondering so where good. I was. Yeah, Wondering. they said, oh, it's Trevor coming out. I said, no, mate. It's and then one they turned talk. around and walked out. Stormed out is what I heard. <laughs> walked off shaking their head, but I said, oh, maybe next time. <laughs> but no, no, it's doing well, mate. In all seriousness, it's going great. Uh, I'm really enjoying it out there. It's a full day. I'm out there at 9 o'clock and not finished till 4.30, so it's like a, it's like I've got a job again. <laughs> I'm looking for someone again. <laughs> But, uh, no golf for Fennec for the two weeks. I'm having fun. Uh, if you're out there, I'd love to hear from you. If you're a two blokes listener or a tech guide listener, love you to come up and say good day. And I've always got time for our listeners. Uh, I get a lot of people come up to me uh, asking advice and stuff like that. They say they hear me on the podcast and on the radio, and uh, I'm happy to uh, give them the time because if they uh, they take the time to listen to me, I'm going to take the time to listen to them. So uh, happy to do that. So come out if you're at the Easter Show, the Tech Arena in Hall 3. Next to the show bag hall. So if you uh, need a bit of a rest after the show bags, there's plenty of seats in the tech arena. Check it out. Stephen Fennick at the Sydney Royal Easter Show. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, a product that we, we both wrote about on our websites, we both interviewed um, the founder on uh, on our podcasts, and we have to talk about this. They get, it's just they get good value out of us. Good mate. value, absolutely. But you know why? Because it's such a cool product. Yes. This is interesting because it reminds me of Mother, which we saw at CES, which was this you know monitoring sensor thing. But this is real. It's available, and it's being brought to Australia by the Hills Company, the people that brought us the Hills Hoist, and it's called Lively. Now, the idea here is it's a it's a smart home monitoring system. For the elderly, that's where it's focused, but I guess you could use it for anything. But I give the example regularly. My my dear Nana, 
mid to late 90s, lives at home alone still, um, reasonably independent, but, you know, the odd odd health drama here and there. So, you know, we worry about a, a lot. This, I could install this in her home. It's $175. She doesn't need to have the internet at home. It just has that built in via the mobile networks, built in, nothing to do. Plug it in. There's six sensors. I put one on the pill box for a medicine, one on the fridge, one on the cutlery drawer, one on the front door, one on the keys, that kind of thing. And then we set up a pattern, a routine around those things and say, do you know what? If she doesn't touch her pill box for six hours during the day, can you send me an email or a text? If she doesn't open the fridge for 12 hours, I think you need to send me a text or email me, and then I can pick up the phone and say, hey, Nana, everything all right? Um, I notice you haven't taken your pills or whatever it might be, rather than ringing her every second day saying, how are you going? Have you taken your pills? Are you eating okay? Mm. It's a fantastic idea. It is. It is. And what I like about it, and I too spoke to uh, David Glickman, who's the, one of the co-founders, and he said, look, the whole idea behind this is we're have, offering the monitoring but it doesn't compromise their independence. They're still in their own home. Uh, they've still got. There's no video cameras or anything, so they've still got their privacy. So you, it's like the monitoring it sort of disappears into the background for them. They, they know they're being looked after, but yet they're still going about their daily lives in their own homes. Uh, so it's a, it's an excellent idea, and I like the fact that it is uh, it, it it just works straight out of the box. There's a SIM card built into the lively hub, so the you know the chances are your nano the ninety year old nano may not have Wi-Fi in her house or the internet connected at all. Hmm. So that's sort of one worry taken out of that. That's one pain point removed. But uh, the 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 interface, so you can connect using a browser or using a smartphone app or a tablet app. Uh, is really well done. I also like the other the other addition to this product are the life the lively grams, which <laughs> allows you to send them photos. So collected by the people who've set up the system for your elderly relatives, you can collect all your social media photos, print them out in a nice little card, and they get a lively gram sent to them once a month, which is a really nice way for them to keep up with family and friends. As we're sharing stuff on social media, they may not be on social media, so they get actually a little brochure, a little lively gram that they can hold in their hand and keep which is a nice 175 bucks up front and 20 bucks a month it's it's a, a not even a, a thought process if you've got an elderly elderly relative living alone um it, it's just a win uh, it's, still, it's absolutely it's cheaper than like imagine putting the, the your, your elderly parents or grandparents in in an aged care facility you're going to be paying a lot more than 1995 a month hmm. to to yeah. get them looked after so the initial cost 175 and that 20 bucks a month you know, I think a small price to pay for peace of mind, knowing that you're that you're, you're still keeping an eye on your loved ones, and they're still keeping their independence and still living in their own homes. I think it's a an excellent product that's going to be a really popular one here. You can check it out and buy it at mylively.com.au, and you can read about the product and see some photos at techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Well, our earlier discussion about the Galaxy S5 and one of the main features being the fingerprint scanner, uh, well, Westpac were quick to uh, finish their proof of concept testing on, an, on, on the S5 to allow customers to access their accounts using their fingerprints. So rather than have to remember a password, uh, Westpac New Zealand kind of did all the heavy lifting here. And of course, it'll flow around the whole Westpac group. But they've, uh, they've even, they're the world first, where they're the first bank in the world to use the S5 fingerprint scanner 
to be able to access your bank account. So that's that extra level of security that only you can provide because you only you have your fingerprint. So that's how that's how precise these readers are. But hmm. I have uh, I did ask the question and wrote about this on Tech Guide. We've had a fingerprint scanner for many months now on the S5. It's been I think September when it's been released. And there was a few people that were asking on I saw on Westpac's forum, why can't I do this on my iPhone 5S? And Westpac's response, which I actually included as part of my story, is the fact that Apple has yet to release yeah, Apple. that yeah. functionality to third-party developers. You can, yeah. you can approve iTunes purchases with your thumb because that's their own store. But I don't know. I think Apple may have sort of they've missed the boat here a little bit. No. They've kind of been beaten to the punch. No, doing- I'll tell you what it is. That will be a WWDC announcement. Yeah, oh, I know. Not we- not open to all developers. They will have a select um, uh, open developer program uh, for the fingerprint scanner. Yeah, well, they could have done a 7.1 kind of thing, like, sort of like CarPlay was sort of mentioned. And But I, I think they, they, they should have been, and they normally are, that whenever banks or, or companies change the way they do to fit in with an Apple product, that's normally Apple. That, that's Apple's game. Samsung have now got this. We've seen PayPal. That deal was done before the Galaxy S5 even came out. Yeah, yeah. And now Westpac are on board. Uh, you know, I think that the Apple are giving away a bit, a bit of ground here to Samsung. Good on Samsung. Good on Westpac. I can't wait till the Commonwealth Bank does it because that's who I bank with. But um, you know, this is a world first for Westpac, and good on them. Beautiful stuff, uh, and you can read about that at TechGuide.com.au. Now, quick one before we get to your minute reviews and a, and a massive, massive win for, for Android here uh, and Sonos. Now, I, I, I've got a Sonos system, so do you. Um, it's fantastic. From any device, you can play music from that device or from your own music library into your Sonos. It's, it's very nice, very good, but it's not AirPlay. So Apple AirPlay is fantastic because you can have a speaker system and you can just very easily push any content, whether it's a YouTube video, whatever, to, to AirPlay. Google... Play Music uh, announced Sonos integration this week, and it's brilliant because, and this is great for me because I've just uploaded all of my music to Google Play. So I've uploaded every song I own and have bought over the years. Up up to 20,000 tracks, is that right? I don't know how many I've put up, but so, I don't yeah. Is, is 15,000 of them would be Farnham songs? Yep. Okay. Uh, 2,000 Billy Joel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and a whole heap of Thomas the Tank Engine sounds or something. Um, it's great when you've, when you've got all of your music on shuffle and you just hear Justine Clark songs and stuff. It's just, oh, please, what, what am I doing with my kids' music? Anyway, so the thing is now, in when you're in Google Play Music, the little, um, what is a Chromecast-looking button, because it's the button you get when you've got a Chromecast, mm-hmm. similar to AirPlay, you've now pressed that and it says, where do you want to send? it and says Sonos and in my case it says Sonos Man Cave boom music playing on my Sonos system yeah. direct from the Google Play music app not even from the Sonos app that's the first I think Sonos uh, the, the first app to be able to play directly to a Sonos system usually you have to have the Sonos app and yeah. then link your you know Spotify audio Google Play you got to do it that way you can still do it that way with Google Play but uh, no, I think that's this is significant. This partnership that uh, Sonos is allowing Google to play direct to the devices—that's a definite shift change there. Yep. Good on them. And Sonos, obviously, the the kind of the benchmarkers for wireless uh, multi-room speaker systems, uh, well, both of which we uh, we do enjoy in our own home. So, uh, but I wasn't aware until I wrote this story that Google Play. I think I mentioned the personal collection. You can store your personal collection online up to twenty thousand tracks, which means you can access your music anywhere on any Android device. Mm. 
and there are more than 22 million tracks in the Google Play Music Store, and you can create your own radio station. So mate, have you got a Farnham station already on that one, mate? Or I, do, I do. I do. Mate, this is the thing. I've, I've literally tried to break away and, and experience the whole Android Google experience because I've got a, a terabyte of Google space, so I'm uploading all of my family photos to the Google Drive. I'm uploading all of my music. And the, the process, very simple. They've got a little app that allows you to upload your music. And let's remember, people, even if you bought the song through iTunes, you can still upload it because it's just a file. You can upload yeah. the song. and, and DRM-free now, yeah. Yeah, because they're all DRM-free. Yeah. So great stuff, great integration. You can read about the Sonos and Google Play stuff at techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Oh, let's wrap it up with a couple of cool little things. The first one, a dual SIM smartphone from Sony. Sony Xperia T2 Ultra. This has got a six-inch screen, but also a dual SIM card. Other features, 13-megapixel camera, including 1.1-megapixel front camera. It's got a quad-core 1.4 gigahertz, a real sort of entertainment device, let's call it. Six-inch screen. You've got access to all that Sony content. But uh, And the design, it's only 7.6 millimetres thick and weighs only 176 grams. It actually has a it's nearly edge-to-edge screen. So it's, even though it's got a six-inch screen, it's not a massive device. It's, got, uh, it's made use of the spa- all the available space. But the dual SIM. That is an interesting feature. So perfect for, say, a, a tradie who's got like a work number and a home number. Also good for travellers, so you can keep your Aussie SIM in one and maybe your US or whatever country SIM in the other. So really handy having the dual SIM. The both both SIMs can be programmed to be working independently. So one SIM can have one SIM card, uh, one ringtone, and the other. Very easy to switch between the two. One touch switching. Really handy feature, and the one I like about it too is the price. It's only five hundred and forty-nine dollars, and comes with a Blue Ant Bluetooth headset, valued at seventy-nine dollars at no extra cost. Available now, Sony Centers, JB, and the Good Guys, and all phone stores. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. I, I just don't see the need for this, but <laughs> LifeProof have brought out an iPad case. That's right. Well, some people use their iPads in a variety of situations. And in this case, it may be you may take it to a work site. You may want to take it on holiday. LifeProof are very well known for making waterproof, shockproof, and dustproof cases. They've just released the iPad Mini and iPad Air versions of the Nude and the Free. Now, iPad Mini will have both versions, the Nude and the Free, but the iPad Air just has the Free. Now, the Free covers the device completely. There is a transparent cover over over the screen, so you're locking, sealing the whole device away to make it waterproof. So, you know, even if you're handing your your iPad to a child, if they drop it, they're not going to break it because it's in this rugged case. The nude case for the iPad mini actually has patent-pending technology that seals the screen away from the rest of the device. So it creates this vacuum seal just around the screen, and it's still waterproof. So the water touching touches the actual glass of your iPad, but because it's sealed the rest of the device away, it's still waterproof. So that's the nude technology there from LifeProof. The nude case is only available for the iPad mini with Retina, uh, and that's priced at $129. But the Frey case for the iPad mini with Retina is $109.95, and the iPad Air case, $119.95. All right, another bonus couple of minutes there again for you this week. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, Two Bucks Talking Tech, episode 155. 
Lots of that content and those stories can be read about at techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. You can follow us both on Twitter at Stephen Fennick with a PH and at Trevor Long. And you can check Stephen out with his tech arena at the Easter show for the next week or so. Stephen, uh, great show. Talk to Thank you, you very next much. week. Yes, you will, mate. And yeah, don't be afraid to come and say day at the Tech Arena. Chat to you next week. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long.